1077 The Franchise is your flagship for Oklahoma sports. So we decided to launch a podcast with the very best names in Oklahoma sports media to cover it. When they said no, we called in some interns. Thank goodness John changed his mind before we did something stupid. This is Inside OU with John Hoover on the Franchise Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Inside OU Podcast. This is uh, Kansas State Week, uh, but everybody, thank you for watching, listening to the Inside OU Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. I am Brady Trantham, and I'm joined alongside Mr. Rufus Alexander and Mr. John Hoover, and we are fresh off of... Let's see, Jalen Hurts talked, Kenneth Murray talked, and Lincoln Riley had his Monday press conference for the media. A lot of Kansas State, not a lot of Kansas State talk, actually, if you ask Jalen Hurts, but um, we've got John Hoover here to talk about all the the comings and goings at the the press conference today. We've got Rufus to give all the great insight that he provides being a former player, but uh, I guess first off, guys, uh, I feel like the national perception of this team has really basically bought into it because I was watching a lot of the college football final on a Saturday night, Sunday evening. Um, and a lot like they were talking about like mid season, like surprises. And a lot of it was LSU's offense and Oklahoma's defense. So they're seven and zero for the first time since 2004. Rufus, I'll start with you. Seven and zero for the first time since 2004. I mean, is, is it safe? Are we safe now to say, yeah, this, this team is for real. They're no. a complete team. No, you're not safe to say that. I mean, as fans can say they're safe or whatever, I mean, just as a former player, as an OU alum, it's never safe to say, hey, this team is pretty good or we've arrived or anything like that. And that's the same thing those guys are going to echo. Uh, guys in the media, you know, would like to say, hey, defense is playing good, this team is really good and all this and that stuff. As a team, you still got to believe that you have a lot to improve on. And I think that's the mentality that they have. That's a mentality that a lot of guys who've played – uh, football is, has that same mentality. The minute that you think that you've done something and you've arrived um, and you're playing well and all that stuff, something creeps up and it slaps you in the face. I mean, going 7-0 and is hard, but completing a whole entire season is even harder. And sometimes you start reading those ple- press clippings and all that stuff, or sometimes you just kind of take your guard down a little bit, and all it takes is one bad night uh, for people to say something different. So, I, I'm, I'm still not. I'm still saying this defense has a lot to improve on. They hadn't got enough turnovers. They haven't got enough negative plays. They haven't got enough sacks. Uh, they're not number one in the country, so therefore they have a lot to improve on. I mean, that's the mentality you have to have. Um, like I told John, I, I think it was on. I think it was last week's show. I've just been so conditioned as an OU fan to just okay. At some point, like in over the last decade. At some point, they're going to lose some game that they shouldn't lose. Kansas State seem, appears to be that perfect kind of trap game, that perfect kind of letdown game. But so far this season, um, Rufus, you talked about it. Like You have to have that leadership to kind of keep reminding you that you have so many unattainable goals, as you mentioned on the last pod, uh, that you still have to try and reach for. And it's really shown like every single week. Every single week, um, yeah, they might not get the sacks. They might not get the turnovers, but they're still going out there and performing. And, John, uh, that kind of goes back to uh, that great Alex Grinch quote from last week of go write your own headlines. Um, if you want to hear good things about you, go out there and perform. So, um, I mean, like what does the test of Kansas State kind of provide this defense and the team overall in your opinion? It's the same thing that it's been, uh, whether it was Texas or whether it was West Virginia, it's the same thing, and that is they're playing against their own standard. They have to go out and have to meet their own standard uh, against Kansas State. Sooners are a 21-point favorite. Sure, they're going to go up there 11 a.m. kickoff, and they're going to kick Kansas State all up and down the field and win by 35, right? That's the standard. Can they play up to that standard? Yeah. Well, the last time Oklahoma was in the state of Kansas, uh, things were a little bit slow going. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think I may have mentioned it on a previous pod, especially after the Kansas game. Les Miles is going to be kind of a thorn in the side of the Big 12. I mean, just ask Texas about that. I mean, Rufus, were you, did you have a chance to watch that game? Because unlike – it seems like millions of football fans didn't really have a chance to considering it was on some type of network. But uh. I did not get a chance to watch the game. <laughs> But I followed it very closely <laughs> on Twitter. Oh, All the memes that was on Twitter were hilarious. I, and, I I mean, it was just so much that was going on. And te- I can't believe KU didn't pull that one off. But, hey, hats off to Texas and just kind of surviving embarrassment uh, for a second time against KU. But 
Les Miles is going to scare a lot of people this year. Uh, for sure. And moving forward, um, I mean, that game is a perfect example of sometimes it's just fun to watch like the, the box score update like on your phone. If oh, you yes. can't watch it because I like, thought KU won. I, know. I, I really <laughs> thought KU won. And then next thing you know, it's like, hold on. Texas lined up for a field goal? What the heck going on? Here comes Dicker. I, I didn't even I, – like, I, I thought KU had won the game. I saw the time dwindling down, KU up by one. I'm like, man, Texas is an embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> and then here you go. They kick a dang field goal and win the game. Kudos to Les for going for two. To yeah. W- to win the Twice. game. Twice. Didn't he do it? Problem was, well, they had to because of missed extra points and field goals and stuff. But, yeah, they're chasing points. But with the game on the line, boys, we're going for two. I loved it. I loved it. But problem was they scored so fast against that sorry Texas defense. They just marched right down the field. Kansas, with all the game on the line, marches right down the field. <laughs> No no resistance whatsoever. There's plenty of time left Dang on the it. clock for Ellinger, which, by the way, I wrote it out on Twitter, Ellegender. There you go. Ellegend. Get it? With a, I, that's a hard G, though, according to Hard G. Tom they almost took Ellinger. a hard L. Yeah. <laughs> Ellinger did a great – I mean – He's good, man. He's he's good. He's a good quarterback. And good. kudos to him for saving this team from embarrassment. Yeah, and that's what OU wants to try and avoid. Let me like try and segue back to OU. Um, they haven't had the, they they not even had that type of performance this year. Um, a little bit of the first half of that Kansas game is fourteen to seven going into the half, or did OU make it twenty one to seven? I can't remember. Going I don't really that. know. I don't even remember that game was a blur since yeah. the ke- yeah since the Texas game. That game is yeah, like, and even in that game they still had some missed opportunities. Where in memory, and yeah. it ended up being twenty eight fourteen at half. Oh, 28 fourteen. Oh, yeah, yeah. God, it's like I. I must have I must have been under the influence that day. Um, no, you. It's KU, man. Nobody really was like, "Hey, you got to be under the influence to watch a Kansas football game." Not was not so rain, much anymore. It was a rain delay. Lady in the stands knitting. <laughs> I mean, crocheting. Crocheting. Yeah, she was Don't. crocheting. I'm sorry, I didn't. To all you crocheters. No. I didn't mean to confuse right. knitting and crocheting. Do not come, come after me. Here come the emails. Yeah, don't come after me, okay? That's Rufus at Alexander.com. There you go. Uh, no, you were talking about the Kansas game. I thought you were talking about the West Virginia game. It was oh, 21-7 no. at half. So. 21-7, yeah, because it was supposed to be 21-7 before, like a few minutes before halftime, and that's when they had the third and goal from the 50 and had to punt, and they got the ball back quickly and scored on like two plays. But uh, that game, OU had missed opportunities. Uh, but it, it ultimately didn't turn into that type of game that we've been accustomed of seeing where a lot some people thought that's what West Virginia could have potentially been. Like OU wins 52-24-28. You know, West Virginia scores some bonus or some garbage touchdowns at the end to I make the score look pretty. I had them giving up 14 pretty. points. I had OU giving up 14 points all the way through. Well, Rufus, you're smart. That's what I had. <laughs> I even sat there and made a bet. Nah, they don't give up 14 points. This West Virginia team is not very is not very good. See, I'm an idiot. I said 13. I said 58-13, so shame on me. <laughs> Dang uh, it, you. Dang. John was texting me from the press box. He was upset yeah. that somebody missed a pass that made his Somebody sc- <laughs> named Austin Kendall. <laughs> Wide, Wide open. open pass in the end zone where it hit my 21. <laughs> oh, No, well. he missed two of them. He, then he missed the kid going out on the wheel route that he would have walked in for the first down on the fourth down. Like, it was fourth and I think two or yeah. three, and he missed the dang running back swinging out of the backfield. He would have walked in the end zone because nobody was there. That was it. Threw it at his shoelaces instead of yeah. his knees. Throw mm-hmm. it, Just throw it at his knees, and it's a touchdown. Just, I got my 20. Oh, well, just floated up there. Floated. Confirmed. Austin Kendall listens to the Inside OU podcast. He's shaving points. <laughs> no. I uh, talked to him before the game. You know, said, hey, I need this 14. <laughs> I, I want to be right. Yeah, just gave him that like extra hard Adrian Peterson handshake. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's gonna be fourteen today. <laughs> um, no, like Kansas State guys. Um, Jalen Hurts told you, John told you, and the rest of the media that he thought that you guys don't ask about the yeah. coming opponent a lot. It was a fun, uh, fun interaction, and I think people are looking at it like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. No, that's not how it. <laughs> that's not how I took it at all. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa you misunderstand, Jalen. Let me clarify. So I asked, I don't know, in a 10-minute press conference, I asked maybe this 8th or 10 question, I don't know. And I asked him, uh, you know, in the in the three years that you were at Alabama, you guys never suffered a big, huge upset defeat. You lost the, the one game to Auburn, okay, his junior year, I think. That was a big, huge defeat. It was, but it wasn't like they were 35-point favorites <laughs> and they're supposed to stomp them like, you know, Ole Miss or something. That don't happen in the, in the SEC. No, it does when you're Alabama, though. 
No. When you're out, he, when he you're was Al- a, he avoided the Ole Miss upsets. Right. Yeah. There, the, Alabama has been stunned by by Ole Miss. They've been scared by Tennessee. That's what he avoided as the quarterback. And when he was there, the three years. And so what I was getting to was, hey, you're going to be a big favorite again this week. We find out today it's 21 points. You're a big favorite against Kansas State. Except I didn't get to that part of the question, and I said, how do you you know project? being a heavy favorite and taking care of business every week into what Oklahoma's doing. And he said, y'all never asked me about who we're playing this week. And I said, well, that's kind of what I'm pointing at. Is you you're, explicitly want yeah. me to say Kansas State. I, you want <laughs> me to say, and he started in on K-State, was like, they do this on defense and they do this on offense. I'm like, all right, whatever. Now, I, I, I didn't think he and, – and we had a little brief interaction. I went and got a – Trying my, to take the Deshaun my, Watson route? I, no, heck no. I got a little refill on my water cup. Um, on my way out and or on his way out, and we kind of turned, ran into each other, and I said, "See you next time, man. Thanks." And he's like, "Have a good one." So it wasn't like he was like mad at me or anything. He was just, I think he was sitting up there saying to himself in his head, going, "How come nobody's asking me any K- this this next one? This will be a K State question. This next one for sure they're going to ask about K State." And I think at some point he realized nobody's asking me about K State, and he just happened to pop it off on me. Well, John, what, what if he, fun? What is Little Manhattan? <laughs> what What if he What if he said like uh, like up yours? <laughs> hey, have, I'll see you next With week. With the up water yours. cup? Yeah. yeah, no, I might have said something bad. Uh, <laughs> no, um, he was with Mike Hawk. He wasn't going to say that. <laughs> one of my favorite places to play though. Is it really Manhattan? Yeah, because why? I just love the chant, the KSU chant. Oh, it's really good. The Wabash Cannonball yeah. and all that. Yeah. It's it's a venue I haven't been to yet. Oh, Not you for, go, man. Well, I've always wanted to go because it's a very tiny stadium. Kansas State. That is the that's the first um, the OU Kansas State game in two thousand. That's the first time that I set not only sat down and watched the game because I had watched a handful of games before. That was the first time that I got truly invested into a game. That's when it kind of really started for me as a fan. Because um, that game, OU gets up 31-14 or 38-14 really big. And then Kansas State really makes everybody nervous. Uh, who was it? Terrence Newman uh, returned a block punt for a touchdown. Make That's the score look a little bit pretty. I know, yeah. Um, but just that – that in 2000, they had like the field – it wasn't field turf. It was just at, like – looked like AstroTurf. And just the look, oh, the memories. Oh, you Yeah, or yeah. Kansas State, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kansas State, yeah. Then they came back. They had the – it was actually, yeah, it was like the turf. It was the actual turf, wasn't it? I think when you played them in 2004, it was grass. No. Like, or was – No, it, it Your was body the, might disagree with me. <laughs> no, it was, it was turf. It was, it was turf, turf, but they had it, like, really short, and it was real fine. I tore my PCL – I had partially tore my PCL in that game when we played over there. And you still played, though. Yeah, <laughs> put a sleeve on it and kept on rolling. It hurt. Like Anytime it. somebody would bump it, it would hurt really bad. Oh, Screw that. Yeah, it mm. took about I think three weeks for my body to adjust to it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Then I played a we played against KU here. It was probably one of my worst games that I played because I had to take a sh- total shot or whatever. Mm. Never took one again. It's <laughs> like my body's not made to do it that way. And I said, I, I said, Jim, I can't play. Uh, I would have cried for days. Um, I feel like people, like your casual football fan that's following OU, I feel like people have the same idea about this Kansas State team as they've had for the previous 1,200 Kansas State teams. You know, they're, they're a power rush team. They do like three or four things, and they try to do it as best as they can. They're real fundamental. They want to try and put you into a situation where you'll beat yourself. And OU's won a lot of these games against Kansas State, but they've beaten themselves a ton in those games and made those scores like uh, specifically the last time OU went down to Manhattan and it took a Rodney Anderson like late touchdown run for OU to win. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of these examples where OU just beats, um, shoots themselves in the foot. This team has yet to really do that more than maybe just a quarter, like the first quarter against Kansas, um, the first quarter in the red zone against Texas. Outside of that, this team has been really careful about not shooting itself in the foot, at least offensively. So, I mean, Rufus, um, I don't know if you had a chance to really dive into Kansas State football this year. They started off 3-0, and kind of fallen off since, got taken behind the woodshed um, at Stillwater against Oklahoma State. But, I mean, what do you see, like, challenge-wise? I mean, is it more on the OU um, side, or is it more what Kansas State kind of provides as a challenge? I mean, I think it's on the OU side is going to be how it'll it'll affect them. Playing against K, K, uh, Kansas State, they're going to come out. They're going to be fundamentally sound, and then you have to go and take it away from them. You have to really, like, beat the life out of them 
early. Uh, the year that Baker Mayfield was one of the uh, Baker Mayfield went down there. I think it was like fifty five zero, and they called the dogs off. I think it was third quarter. Yeah, so a, they, that was Baker's. Uh, I don't think Baker. that was Baker's year. What was year was? I think it was Baker. Uh, twenty. That was twenty thirteen. Yeah, this is nineteen. Twenty thirteen was the fifty five nothing game. Yeah. Was it thirteen? That was Joe. That was Joe Mixon and um. No, it wasn't Joe. It was uh Baker though. No, Baker I'm gonna have to look this up because this is gonna Baker kill was 15, me. Fifteen, sixteen, What was the year Baker Mayfield was there? I'm, I'm almost positive it was Baker Mayfield. Was Keep there. talking. See, I was I'm, thinking it was. I was thinking that game was like Blake Bell. Nah. Trevor Knight. Nah. No. The twenty the fifty five nothing game, I'm pretty sure it came the week after OU lost. They just to lost to Texas. Texas. Lost mm-hmm. to Texas. Which was both twenty thirteen and twenty fifteen. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm having trouble remembering. Uh that was. thank you so much for existing. Let's yeah. see here. Full game list page. This is great podcasting. Uh twenty fifteen. <laughs> oh, yep. Twenty fifteen, fifty five nothing. So it was Baker's first year. Yeah. Twenty thirteen okay. was forty one thirty one. That was the Trey Miller, like Blake, but I think that was the yeah, beginning of the was, the, the belldozer bell situation. Yep. Um, yep, 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 which yep, also yep, could yep. be wrong. But, but I'm telling you, that game right there was the first time I've ever seen K State take an L like that. Oh yeah, I mean, and they took it on. Made the you chin. wonder about Bill Snyder and where he was with his. Program. Yeah, remember yeah. Bill Snyder wrote an apology in the like whatever right. the Manhattan yep. Tribune and newspaper. So that's the anomaly whenever you play against K State. It's not going to happen like that all the time because they're a prideful bunch. Even the new coach that's in there, he he the, he came and he inherited a prideful team, a team that's going to continuously work hard and do what you ask them to do, and they're going to try to do it the best way they know how and how you coach them to do it. And so that's why you see a lot of K-State's K games, they're close and they have a game where they throw a dud out there, but those guys still fight hard and try to win those games. Um Going out there and playing in Manhattan, those guys are going to be very prideful. They, they're trying to find some way to kind of get another signature win because the Mississippi State game, whenever they got beat down the year before that, they came back with an attitude, with a chip on their shoulder, and they came with something to prove, and they beat the the heck out of Mississippi State. Well, oh, you can't go in there with that mindset of that, you know, uh, we just – took care of West Virginia. We beat Texas. Now everybody's patting our defense on the back and saying, hey, they're arrived and all that stuff. If they go in there with the mentality that, hey, we got this, they're going to get punched in the mouth. I'm telling you, I've seen K-State did it to us when we went down and played them in Kansas City. You figured we arrived, and K-State came out there and just kind of hit us with a roundhouse kick, and we just could not recover from it. And they kept on punching and punching. And that's what you don't want to do. You don't want to let those guys hit you. And then you all of a sudden wake up like, oh, my gosh, this could happen and our season could be over. You got to go into the game with that mentality of they are trying to take any and everything that you work for away from you. And I'm, I'm telling you, they may not – everybody else may not be thinking about KSU and saying that, hey, they can win – that KSU, they should beat – they're going to beat them pretty good. Oh, you better be ready to go in there and then really fight for what they have because the, the weather's supposed to be a little bit icky there, I think, I believe. Supposed to be a little bit rainy, a little maybe a little cold up there. Typical so, Kansas weather. Yeah. Ooh. So Oh, that's fun. It can be something that I mean, it'll be something that's gonna is not gonna play in OU's favor. They're gonna have to play against some conditions or something up that way. It's gonna be a little bit colder than what it normally is, and they're gonna have to play through some things. And K, K uh, KSU, Kansas State is gonna come and they're gonna fight very hard to win this game. Rufus, let me ask you a quick question. Um I was sitting in the press box, okay, at Kansas State, the press box where the press sits is right next to the coach's box where the coaches sit. So the defensive coordinator. Oh, really? Yes, so, yes, really. <laughs> the defensive coordinator at the time was a fellow by the name of Mike Stoops, who I, I know lost his proverbial bleep. Yes, he did. On every play of that game. Even on good plays. 55 to nothing, and he was losing it. You could hear. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out is because every journalist in America who was in the Kansas State press box covering that thing was commenting on it at the time. Because all, all right. you would hear is boom, boom, boom. Not just that. Doom, you could hear boom, every word. John, you could one, hear every F-bomb. Yeah. One every, might argue that Every he lo- expletive toward each player. One might argue that he lost it well before that game. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so Rufus, my, my point in bringing this up is, and I don't know why I'm beating a dead horse here. Mike's been gone now. We're moved on to Alex Grinch, right? It's, it's the Grinch era. But they, they were coming off that loss to Texas. And they won the game 55 to nothing. But in Mike's mind, there was this, this standard that these guys had to reach. And it was excellence and it was perfection. And if you didn't, he was – and I, I'm sure he coaches like that probably most of the time, right? Right. Not a big deal. 
not like he did it just for this one game. But the point is they lost the previous week a rivalry game. This week they were obliterating absolutely. They were stomping them like a dead cockroach. And he wanted And to. he wanted more and more. And was that typical of Mike? Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to finish them every time. Because, I mean, Mike knows the feeling of lo- – I mean, once you get that feeling of a team beating you whenever you think you should win it all and, and all this and that stuff, and he – it's just, man, you you want you hate that feeling of losing, and you always want these kids to just continue to drive and drive and drive. And sometimes it's about humiliating your opponent sometimes, and that's kind of where he was. He lost to Texas, and you got to make a statement. And I think at that point in time, that was the year they were trying to play against Clemson, so they were trying to make a statement. The next week, I think they went in and ended up playing against uh, Clemson. But I think the weather's supposed to be nice and. In Manhattan, though, I thought it was going to be nasty because I think the weather kind of in the well, end. it's like it's late October. Yeah, it's in the just back kinda... of the, yeah, in the back of the week. I mean, it just had two tornadoes in dang Texas. I know Seth Curry's uh, house got hit by a tornado. Who? Seth Curry, uh, Steph Curry's brother, he plays for the Mavericks. Oh, he plays for the Mavericks now. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, there was a tornado in Rockwall. So did it hit him? Did it hit? Was he there? He said he was watching the Cowboys Monday or Sunday night football game last night, and he was just sitting in his living room, and then a tornado hit it. <laughs> like what? <laughs> You've never been hit by a tornado, have you? Heck Rufus? no! I sat on my roof and watched one when it went through. Um, where was that? Bridge Creek. That's the most Oklahoma sentence I've ever heard you ever say. <laughs> <laughs> I, sat, I was on the roof watching it go through Bridge Creek, watching the power flashes oh, on my Newcastle roof. Yep. Oh man! Well, watching it happen. No tornadoes in October, November, please in Oklahoma, please, please weather, please God. Or Kansas. Yeah, no, it's going to be or nice. Kansas. So we have a little wet, a little rain and stuff going to leave being Oklahoma, but yeah. Well, it seems like Texas is getting all the dang tornadoes. Well, speaking of Texas, uh, I told John for like a split second he wasn't listening to me because he's doing his, like, bless his heart, he's doing his other podcast. Go ahead and plug it, John. What other podcast are you doing? It's called Locked On Sooners. It's a daily podcast. It's a 20 to 25, 26-minute podcast every day. On OU football, just go to wherever you find your podcast and look for Locked On Sooners. Double. It's part of a national Locked On network. Uh, NFL, NBA, MLB, major college teams, and now we've got the NHL as well. Boom. Yeah. Well, I was telling you before we started recording that I, I just don't buy um, that Kansas State will be able to do a lot of the things that they've done previously to OU, like the, specifically the last time they went to Manhattan on offense, because – what they provide is just they want to try and out physical you. Power rush. Texas tried to do the same thing to this defense. So unless they walk in with an attitude like Rufus talked about of like we've arrived, like we we let's just hurry up and get to the Big Twelve Championship so we can go to the playoff, then sure, they're gonna mm-hmm. miss some tackles in the backfield. It's gonna end up being a forty yard run. Game that Alabama that I was telling talking about earlier. You yeah. assume things are gonna happen. Nick uh Saban doesn't let that happen. I think Lincoln Riley's getting the hang of it, but go ahead. Yeah, but with the leadership of Alex Grinch, Lincoln Riley, Jalen Hurts, um, Kenneth Murray, Neville Gallimore, these guys are really – they. it seems like to me from an outside perspective, they really understand what they can achieve. Mm-hmm. And they understand the work that needs – to the process that needs to go into it to achieve that success. So with that respect, I just don't buy Kansas State just punching OU in the mouth for maybe longer than a, a quarter – and then OU maybe just settles in. And that's a worst-case scenario. Maybe I'm drinking too much uh, Yeah, you're drinking Kool-Aid. too much crimson Kool-Aid. They, they got a lot of pride up there. A lot of rat poison, once I'm sorry. You, once you start hey, – I'm telling you, you don't want that snowball effect. Once somebody start punching you in the mouth and you say, oh, my gosh, they're starting to play, and then you try to start playing too, sometimes too it's, it's a little too late sometimes. <laughs> and I don't think this team is uh, at that point or even have that in them right now. But you just – like you said, like you always say, I mean – you're, you're talking about 18-, 19-year-old kids. You have a lot of young kids on this team as well that play and do things out there. So those are all those are possibilities, though, when you have young guys playing and you get up and down for games. And, I mean, you gotta, you, you got to know how to um, trigger your team and keep those guys going and keep them wanting to play, keep that fire in them also. So, I mean, you kind of look at it. You look at it like uh, the way Grinch got his safeties and those guys to play well. What did he do in his off week? I'm going to get the five-star receiver and bring him over to safety. That was fun. (laughs) I mean, it made everybody talk about it for a whole entire week and a half and come to the game. I mean, it didn't really do it. All all it did was make those safeties lock in. All it did was put that wide receiver in danger. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was – 
I'm, I'm saying though, that's a that's a really good. He knows how to pull the trigger and the strings of the guys that are playing. And I think Coach Odom is doing the same thing at the linebacker position because Brian Osamoah is a kid that was behind. He was third string. If you look at Brian Osamoah, he wasn't even getting any reps the first few games. And then here you go. Deshaun White doesn't own the position. Ryan Jones doesn't own the position. They have inconsistencies throughout games. And then Brian Osamoah comes out there, makes a sack, makes a tackle in the Texas game. And then he here he is. He comes West Virginia game, and he plays more snaps. I mean, they're not trying to rotate these linebackers. It's because somebody's not owning the position. There's a lot of bad things exactly. that are happening. Yeah, they, you're exactly right. And the, with the safeties, they were waiting. He's been waiting since spring for somebody else to play better. And here we get the announcement, what was it, last week, week before, that Robert Barnes is probably going to redshirt. He's been waiting for guys that, at the safety position to play better, to be better. And I think you're seeing that a little bit. I think you're starting to see that shake out at every other position, too. You're starting to see the guys who are the players and the frontline players uh, are separating themselves, have separated themselves. And the guys who are like your Ryan Jones, Deshaun Whites, who are not separating, they're still going back and forth. David Aguebu, the freshman, and Nick Benito, the redshirt freshman, are going back and forth now. I think now that's, that, a, that's Now that John Michael Terry's out. Yeah, that's a that's a rep thing though. But if one guys. separates, he's gonna play more, right? I just no. I, I, think I do like that they're getting guys reps for later in the game, everybody's fresher, and later in the season, everybody will be fresher. I think linebacker is one of those positions where you really don't like to rotate because the drop off is that is really that big. I mean, you can see me can be a steady guy, but hit the drop off from Murray and Meade is very very big. Yeah, because you have to do so much, and it goes beyond like just knowing where you have to be. You have to, if you're in the hole and you've got the guy dead to rights, you've got to make the tackle. Right. Brian Meade miss, missed that tackle against Puka, Puka yeah, like three or four times. It wasn't just one. Kenneth I mean, Murray makes that tackle. Yeah. yeah, and so it's a you see the difference in ability. But Aguebu and you, Nick Benito, those guys are one and the same. I think they play about the same. Nick Benito has a little bit more experience. I mean, not to really say it's that much experience than he does, but he'd have a little bit more pop to him sometimes and he he understands stuff and he ch pulls his trigger a few times and then um and then the other guy I mean so you look at those two guys I think they'll be fine those two guys rotating in for each other keeping each other fresh because he doesn't want them to wear it down and Nick Benino's been getting better and better as a pass rusher I think he's playing a lot better also and Aguebo's he played he had a phenomenal uh not say a phenomenal game he had a pretty good game this past game and made some good tackles so I mean, should we be a little worried about the loss of John Michael Terry in terms of the edge? Because I thought he was incredibly solid. Like, he, he seemed to always not necessarily make the play himself, but set up his teammates to make the play in the backfield because he was so good at setting the edge, at least early on in the year. Yeah, he was such a – he's a consistent guy. That's what I love about John Michael Terry. He was just a guy that was always consistent. He did what he was supposed to do, did his job, and played his position the way it's supposed to be played with technique – and never and didn't do anything wrong. He he lacked maybe a little bit of explosion that you would like for your guy to have on that side. On like when he sets the edge, didn't go and do that next thing. But he would set the edge and he would shuffle down the line, make sure everything turns back in. So he's gonna be missed. I think his leadership would be missed as well. Because but he's a he's more of a doer. He doesn't do a lot of he doesn't do a lot of uh, the rah 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 talking and stuff. He does everything on the field with action. He's not a very loud speaking guy but I mean I, I like John Michael Terry and I like what he bought to that group and he, he mean he had a they had a good solid rotation so um Ruffin McNeil has his work not say has his work cut out for him he may have to find another third guy he can put into the swing of things you can see uh um they may stand up stripling a little bit as well to come over there that position because they're pretty stout at that defensive end position mm -hmm. with with Jalen Redmond and Perkins and those guys right there. So if you can, if you want to add another guy, you can add Stripling in that third spot because he's a really good, solid defensive end. Also. He had a good play the other day, didn't he? Where he yeah. chased down Austin Kendall on yeah. the sidelines, dislodged the football. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very. So I'm telling you, he can. That kid as well. He'll be a kid that they'll try to use a little bit there also. Yeah, and I guess with. The challenge that Kansas State was, is going to bring, you know, trying to run the football. I mean, that's going to be something that they're going to try and, I guess, exploit. But, um, again, it just kind of goes back to all these things that we've talked about, just whether it's uh, Alex Grinch filtering different guys in, keeping them fresh, um, Alex Grinch's message being bought in by the entire defense. So it's it's helped OU avoid, like, long periods of drop-off in terms of, like, giving up big play after big play after big play, and then the score is a little bit out of hand. Um, 
that to me kind of goes into a question that was asked today, John, that you brought up to me because I didn't have a chance to listen to the press conferences. I was at Thunder practice, but um, did somebody specifically ask about Alex Grinch's characteristics as a coach, mm-hmm. like kind of leading into like, could he be a head coach someday? Yeah, yeah. Would does he have characteristics that would help him as a head coach someday? Yeah. yeah. And uh, Lincoln said, yeah, if that's if he wants to be a head coach, he's got a, a lot of great characteristics that will help him there. Well, like because this is my question because. Maybe it's just because Mike Stoops had been here for so long. Like I, I'm very familiar just from an outside fan perspective of how he coaches, and especially the things that you told me about being right next door in a paper like with the drywall separating you from <laughs> from him in the press box. That's why Mike was supposed to be on the sideline. He's not made to be caged. He's <laughs> 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 a wild animal. You can't cage well, a wild animal. That one did the the wildness did not leave his eyes. Yeah. Well, cuz I've like against and, on Saturday, I was there were a few plays where I just focused on Alex Grinch on the sideline. He, I can't really t- get a beat on what he's like. Because we've seen that gif of him like saying "Let's f and go" like on, on the sideline of UCLA, mm-hmm. so he's he's got some hypeness to him. Yeah, but he seems relatively calm, and he Relative when he's to talking to, and when he's talking to you guys, he's he's very like to the point and yeah. stern, but he's also extremely calm, even though his voice is hoarse from screaming probably at practice. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, very, he's very hoarse uh, in interviews because he he elevates his voice a lot, but he doesn't curse at guys in terms of you piece of this you know what i mean uh at least not that i've seen rufus maybe you've seen in practice uh might call somebody a piece of whatever no no oh i'm about to say no alex grinch no you know i'm he doesn't demean people he he he's not mark he's not mark mangino is what you're saying there's some of that too (laughs) i mean i just think he his yelling you guys don't see because he just his is a, a little bit more. He he yells in practice and he gets his point across. And um, a lot of things of what he what he does. I mean, he yells on the sideline and stuff. But it, it's just right now they're playing so well. So what the heck is he gonna really yell about right now? You know, you have your moments where you yell at one for one play and then you move on to the next. So it's like it's ebbs it ebbs and flows in games. I mean, if a if you can see a coach losing his mind all the time, that means they're playing really bad. Because every other play is a very bad play, hmm. but if you see a, you got ebbs and flows and you have bad plays and all that stuff, then you got your plays that are unbearable with things that you've coached on that you went over over and over again. If a guy makes a good play, they make a good play. You just kind of say whatever. Yeah, right, and, you move on. And, and there's the few times that that's happened this year against OU's defense. It, that that's been kind of like my thought. Like, right. That that guy's talented. But the then, last few years, it's been that plus like third string quarterbacks just making right. OU look like and trash. So that's so. what makes. That's what makes a guy like like Mike pulls his hair out, or a guy like even Grinch. If they start doing some stuff like that, he will lose it on that. He'll lose what hair he has. No, (laughs) yeah, he will lose it on that sideline, and y'all will be like, "Well, holy crap, who is that guy?" (laughs) Right? But you don't have to see it right now because the the bad plays are kind of separated. Right? They have a good one. You have a good one. You have another good one. You have a bad one. But you don't have them just running in like you don't have boom, seven, seven in of a row. them in a row, and you won't see that guy be like, "What the hell?" and "Who the hell is this?" I mean, whenever they couldn't fit a a split, uh, a split zone, I forgot what game it was. I don't think it was which which team the, the team kept getting the edge on us. Tech before Texas, it was Tech. Yeah, Tech Tech kept getting the edge, and I mean, if you guys were on the sideline, he said, "You can't, we can't fit a blinking blinking zone," and I mean, he was going off. <laughs> I mean, but you have a lot of passionate guys that's on the sideline, so the energy is spread throughout people. And the reason why you didn't notice Mike's crazy a lot of the times is because you had Brent next to him, and he also had his crazy. So you had guys that you break it off to. So when certain groups are going off and messing up, you you see Coach Odom having his his moments. And then when it was the secondary, you have – Coach Grinch has his moments, and then it's the D-line. You have Tib have his moments. So all the passion that they have is all where it needs to be, and it just kind of branches off to different guys. So one guy doesn't look like a psychopath, and the, and the other guys are – you know, I, I just think, you know, you look at it, you would love – you love the passion of, of, of Roy Manning, and you love the way Coach Odom is, and you love the way Coach Grinch is and the passion they have. Well, if you talk about – the years prior, who had that kind of passion? 
was only really kind of yeah. one person that had it, and one everybody two, else yeah. was kind of like, eh, mm, yeah, hey, you deferring. know, deferring. They were deferring defer- to the alpha personalities. Is what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, like somebody lead, please. <laughs> somebody <laughs> do something. And it was like it looked like that on the field. They so. might have been a little afraid too. There's a story going around, or going around. It it went around years ago. I'd like to tell it real quick right now, of Mike getting on the headsets. And saying maybe he was talking to a player with his headset on, and he was saying, "You stupid sob gd this and mf'er," and Bob flips his headset on and goes, "Hey, when, when do we start calling these guys mf'ers?" And Mike reply, replies simply with, "I've always called them mf'ers." Uh, <laughs> I wonder if he's calling them mf'ers as a paid intern in Tuscaloosa. I'm not. I'm not knocking Mike. I'm just saying that was his coaching style. Right and oh, no. and Bob his, didn't always Rufus, jibe with co- not Rufus, even no Bob one, as intense his, as Bob was his, he wouldn't always jibe with that kind of no thing. one called you a motherfucker in, in, during a game or during practice right Rufus <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm gonna leave that alone I'm gonna say this uh, so we can move on I mean Mike had a style of coaching but MFers wasn't really one of the biggest things he would ever say I didn't that wasn't, one, that wasn't one of his big things I mean. I mean, there's been stuff where you challenge guys or whatever, but I, I think as it got worse here, the worse, the more frustrated he got and the more he started to cuss at people. And once he started doing that, man, you kind of lose respect from guys and guys stop respecting you as a person because you're disrespecting them. So some guys have a different mentality when it comes to it, and some guys it, it reaches, some guys it doesn't. So for him, you know, I, I think he – has a guy, he has a chance to reset and do what he has to do at Alabama, but mm-hmm. what Grinch is doing It'll here, be good for him. what Grinch is doing here, um, I think it's the way it all it all the way it should be. He challenges you as a person, he challenges you as a player, and he put the ownership on you. Didn't I tell you to do this and you don't do it? And he was like, "Well, I need to find somebody to replace you because I asked you to do A and B, and you're just doing C. So what the hell does that say?" What does that say about you? What the hell am I not telling you that you don't get what I'm saying to you? Is either you're tough enough to play this game or you're not tough enough to play this game. That's how you challenge somebody. If he gets ran over or he doesn't want to jam a guy or he gets he keeps getting beat to the outside and it's not physical, it's a toughness thing. Well, what's wrong? Are you scared to go hit that guy over there? Are you scared to set the edge? That big old guy over there scaring you? Well, damn, you can't play college football. You're not ready for college football. How about you sit your ass over there on the bench because you're not ready? Hey, anybody wants to set the edge over here? That's challenge you. That challenges your manhood. That challenges you as a player. And pretty much it's it's telling you and it's telling the whole entire team that you're letting them down because you're not man enough to go and set an edge. I like all this. I like everything you just said. (laughs) I mean, but that's how – but that's a lot of how it was. This it, is this is why we call this the Inside OU podcast right here. That's how it, that's how it was. We're literally literally inside OU right now. Yeah, I mean, in Coach Venables, I remember the first time when I didn't go in and hit the hole. I think Davin Joseph was at guard. Oh man! And I didn't go downhill, and he started coming up, and I just kind of pussyfoot down there and hit down to the side, and he pushed <laughs> me out of there, and he came up to me and said, "What are you pink inside?" You oh. pink down there, and I was like, "Whoa, uh, okay." <laughs> so you know that was kind of, I mean, you know, because he knew he saw what I did. Yeah, I, I mean, that's he saw what I did, and he knew he was like, it was a fear thing. It wasn't a talent thing. I knew where I had to be, and I saw it coming. And I'm like, "Damn, either this is gonna be a soft hit or it's gonna be a hard hit. Which one am I gonna do?" So I decided to go the soft hit. And he was looking directly at me and saw it happen. And he came and he said that. And I was like, dang, nobody ever called me that. It kind of hurt a little bit. <laughs> so <laughs> my, my, my outlook on things is a little bit different after that. Anybody that has ever played football at any level, there has been one time that everybody has a memory of where a coach said something like that to them. And you thought, you know what, I'm just going to go to the sideline for a minute. <laughs> my, mine was in practice. My defensive ends coach uh, was two a days. Literally, it might have been three a days. Hell week. And, and they were paving the uh, the parking lot, the high school parking lot, and that smell of asphalt. Like, I don't oh, yeah. know what I had for breakfast, but it was messing me up. And my stomach was all jacked up. And then I, that smell of asphalt hit me, hot, fresh. And I was just like, I mean, I was nauseous. I was about to puke. And my defensive end coach, who was sitting in a folding chair at the time, watching the drills, he looks up and he says, sometimes I wonder if you really want to be here. <laughs> 
And I looked at him and I said, today I really don't. I'm not feeling it, coach. He didn't like that response. Oh, I had man. to go run after that. Yeah, man. You well actually your coach. Oh, man. man. Well, actually. <laughs> actually you wow. know, while you're asking, I'm going to go ahead while and you're asking, Let me tell you this. Let me tell you how I really feel about today. I'm just saying, you look at Davin Joseph and – at the A gap, and he's gonna uh-uh. come up and combo up to you. You gotta sometimes you make a decision, and I was a, a business decision. I was a young <laughs> red shirt freshman, and I said, you know what? That just today is not gonna be my day to do this. He had the big hair at that at that at that time because I remember his senior year, two thousand five. Yeah, he, he had, had the big hair. He started mm-hmm. doing it uh, when he was a fr- when his freshman year when he moved to the offensive line. He started growing. Always his hair makes out. players look bigger and scarier when they have long. No, dude. He was big and scary when he came in. (laughs) (laughs) He was big and scary when he came in. That was a strong dude. Well, Rufus is talking about an offensive lineman, so I guess this is the part of the podcast where we talk about the other side of the ball, the boring side of the ball, the offense, because they're so – So dull. They're they're just like death. 600 yards a game. They're just like death. It's coming. There's nothing you can do to stop it. Um, I will will point this out because I don't think we talked about it on the post-game pod at all, but um, C.D. Lamb was very upset against West Virginia. It's the second or third time I've heard that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what happened on the uh, goal line where Jalen Hurts ran to the right, then he cut upfield, walked in for an easy score. I don't know what was happening because it looked like – I thought the play bef- – going into that play, okay, Lincoln's going to draw something up uh, cute for CD because he caught the ball on the goal line, mm-hmm. couldn't punch it in. All right, let's get CD his touchdown. Correct. Then on the route, CD ran like kind of a slant and then tried to stop and turn. And I think Charleston Rambo ran right into him, and then they both ran out of bounds, so they were out of the play. Well, they that could, makes sense. He's mad that's at Rambo. He was upset. He's mad yeah. at Rambo. Yeah. Um, it was just it's odd to me that OU can have a day like they can, like they did against West Virginia, sixteen to seventeen passing from Jalen Hurts, and CD is just not really a part of it. You know, it's, it amazing. just kind of speaks Three to the – Three for 71, though. I mean, it's a pretty good day for a lot of receivers. Yeah. Um, I, not this, for CD, this, dang it. This proceeding. was the first game he did – I think this was the first game he didn't score a touchdown, right? He scored – First game this year, and it goes stretch goes back to last year. Oh, yeah. wow. That's, um, it was seven or eight games in a row he had scored a touchdown. That's West Virginia? I, I, did he score one against West Virginia? I don't know. Everybody did, yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised so. if he did. But That's messed up. He had some easy – he had some other easy throws that could have been made to him that was not made. He'll be fine this week. You know why? Last year, four, feed him. four catches, one sixty, two eighty-yard touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not about, like a fifty-nine and an eighty-two. I mean, he'll be fine. You know, I mean, it was a long third down that happened earlier in the game. Was one of those plays where you know even Lincoln Riley told Jalen Hurts, "Man, I mean, he came open right there in the middle of the field. If you you know if you kind of wait a little bit, um, those throws right there, he's going to have to make those throws once as the as the competition gets better. Everybody's giving him a pass right now." He keeps getting this pass because, one, the defense is playing well, and, two, you know, you, you end up winning those games. Lincoln Riley's not giving him a pass. And you, you can watch it in games when he comes back. He tells him, yeah, I mean, you're you missing some throws right there. He misses. He missed an easy throw to get a big, long third down. If he stays in the pocket instead of trying to get it and trust his feet. This is what I, love, I like about Jalen Hurts. Hey, we all know you're an athlete and you can run. We know you can put the ball down and you're tough as hell and all that stuff. But against teams like West Virginia, let's start taking those chances. Let's start making those throws that you that everybody said you can't make or whatever. Look for that open window. Because, I mean, there was times where you had an open window where he could have made a throw and he didn't make it. And he puts the ball down. So his the, the 16 for 17 looks good. But a lot of times those were pass plays where he just took off and run where, you know, he may have had a chance where he could have made a throw. And on that on that play, that one play that I saw, and Lincoln Riley even also said something to him, and it's not – it's one play in the grand scheme of things, but in the big picture, whenever you're going to play, if you get into the college football playoffs and you play against Alabama or you play against Clemson, Ohio State, those are the throws that you're going to have to try and make. You, those are the throws you're going to have to anticipate. It's not going to be able to be a – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go to the side and try to, you know, make time, make time, make time. A lot of times those athletes stay with people. They stick closer to people. So it's time whenever you have to get those windows, you have to hit those windows now. And sometimes you just don't do it, and sometimes he does. And then you want him to be more consistent doing that. And, and like I said, he's been – he's gotten better and better each week. But it's still, you know, you want him to kind of come over the hump. So it's always good to point out those things that he doesn't do 
whenever in the end of the year, if he's doing those things, you know, damn, look what Lincoln Riley did mm-hmm. throughout the year, continuously telling this young man what he's not doing well and where he needs to hit shots and all that stuff. I mean, he'll be a better quarterback by the end of the year. He's already he's a lot better than what he was when he started. But I think you just got to still look at those little small things. And, and you can tell when you talk to Lincoln Riley, you can tell he's he, he sees an un- unbelievable athlete. He sees an amazing quarterback and a great college football player. But he sees a guy who can has a lot of room to grow. Mm-hmm. When he When he comments on him, that's like he he always says, oh yeah, he's he had a great run and he made a great read, but there's a lot of room to grow, and he's he's commenting on him and and giving him compliments, and yet he's also saying, I need him to be better. Exactly what you're saying. When the schedule gets harder, when Baylor, uh, whoever it is, Oklahoma State, I don't care, Big Twelve Championship, college football playoff, when things get tough, I'm going to need Jalen Hurts to be better, is what Lincoln Riley is saying, kind of between the lines. I'm going to need him to throw the ball. Trust the but play. I need him trust to be, the play. Trust call. the play yeah. and throw the ball. And I think too many times in those long third third downs, he's figured well, or even a medium third down, he's figured well, I could throw this ball in this window, or I can run ahead, run and get it. And he decides I'm gonna run and get it before I throw it. I think I said Braden Willis on the post game pod. Was that final touchdown he threw that deep ball? Was that to Lee Morris or was it to Braden Willis? Uh, Lee, he Morris. Hit Lee Morris, Lee Morris on the forty-eight yarder. That was yeah. his throw of the year, basically. Is, yeah, because I was going to say, is that the first? Is that the first play where we saw Jalen Hurts step up in the pocket and stay in the pocket and make a throw yeah, like that? Maybe because not the first. Not the it first. Was one of the most visible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He had one of those throws like that. What last game too? Didn't he against Texas? He had one where he he stepped up and he the threw one. To, to I, I don't know how to categorize it. to CD to CD on the sideline yeah. on the sideline where he stepped and he. Boom, good throw. I mean, okay, yeah, yeah. They're they're com- like they're coming like ones and twos and mm. threes in the game, and you're so used to Kyler and Baker making them in bunches, and making those guys making awesome, amazing throws all the time, threatening in the window, and his is coming. You know, one, two, one, two, three. You know, just kind of little small ones at a time. So I think once it clicked for him, he's gonna have a game where it's gonna be like, holy crap. Because I, I'm wondering if this is coinciding with the offensive line at least coming together as a unit much better than how they started. Because I don't know how many plays against Houston, even South Dakota, uh, UCLA, um, the, particularly the left side of the line. Like sometimes the play would just blow up before, like as soon as Jalen would get the ball, and he he'd still have had to. That left side problem. Yeah. But, I don't know. It, it just feels like visibly it just looks like, okay, the pocket is a little bit more clean. Oh, yeah. Than, uh, like at least at the point of attack. Not, you know, if the play bleeds for like a second or two, yeah, that's when the left side can kind of show its weaknesses. But um, I'm just wondering if it's coinciding with the offensive line at least playing better as a unit now. I think Swenson's getting, be- little, get more, getting more and more healthier here in the second game that he's played in. I mean, he's got he got out of the game earlier when the game was in hand. So he I think he's more of your unhealthy offensive lineman that plays as playing through pain. So they try to get him and kind of rest him as much as they can. So you saw Proctor come in a little bit earlier than anything. And then, you know, the other guys kind of played through the whole entire thing. Ailey's looking better. He's moving around a lot better. Uh, Hayes' knee is getting a lot better. And he's, he's feeling a better. He's moving a lot fresher. He's – moving guys down and running guys over. And so, I mean, you like the way those guys playing. And what I like to see, what I love seeing is Creed Humphrey's starting to settle in a lot more. He's starting to look like the superstar that we know he is because he's more comfortable with the two guys to the right and left of him. Mm -hmm. And you can see him controlling games now, understanding what's coming, reading, being able to read the defense and not having to worry about all five people on the offensive line are the two guys next to him and those guys not communicating to him with a twist or anything like that. You see what happens when guys don't communicate twists. Oklahoma just got nine sacks when guys can't <laughs> communicate that. So Kansas did the same thing to Tech. They they do not know how to defend they can't, that. They, they can't block they it. They can't talk. They don't yeah. they don't talk to each other. They they, they Who's their O line coach? Do you know John? I, Texas. Okay. Oh at Texas? Who knows? But that man right now no. is looking at being fired. Is it Bruce Kittle? No, <laughs> because they cannot pick it's up not George Kittle's dad. <laughs> they can't pick up a twist, and so and with with um, when you look at OU, they were struck when they were struggling a little bit. 
Nobody, the communication between Humphreys and the two guards were almost non-existent. That's when you had Bray Walker and then you had who, I forgot who was on the other side of him, and that, he didn't talk. Mm-hmm. And then Hayes is not a big talker. And so you have that situation where, you know, Hayes may alert you every now and then, but when that other guy's a mutant don't really understand what's happening, you start to get things that was happening in games where guys just running through holes and gaps and stuff. So it may, you know, it makes Creed look like he doesn't know what the hell he's doing, but we all know different. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, and I think, was McIver in on the uh, goal line where Jalen Hurts fumbled the center snap ex- exchange? Was that Creed or was that McIver? I don't know. I, I, th- I think I have a memory of it being like, why is McIver in, in hmm. that situ- in that situation? Interesting. No, I didn't, I, I didn't catch that. Could why be why is Jalen Hurts in that situation? Yeah, that's what I was asking. McIver, yeah. why is Jalen Hurts in, in that situation? 52. It was 52-14 at that point? Yeah. No, when they fumbled on the goal line. It was 40-something. It was 40-something. Okay. I, for some reason, I, feel, I remember it being earlier. Yeah, I have to look at the game book. Uh, I mean, my memory's shot anyway. Um, I guess before we get out of here, I mean, should we even – should we mention Trey Sermon rumors? Should we mention them? Should we just move nah. on? Move on, baby. Let it happen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to all play itself out. If I'm a – you know what I'm saying? It's going to all play itself out. Let yeah. it play itself out. It's not that we can say that's going to – it's only going to be a rumor that we're going to pass around and somebody else is going to pass around. Sounds like he'll be fine. He's going to be all right. Yeah. Kennedy Brooks is still on the team and getting carries. Jalen Hurts still gets carries. So. Well, they call his number again. He'll focus back in and go ahead and play. Well, they. I mean, they tried to give him like a kind of an easy, you know, GT counter into the end zone on the, like the eight-yard line, couldn't punch it in. But, I mean, they're, so they're trying to like give him at least one little – you know, one little ego boost, I guess. Hey, man, it is what it is. Nobody wants a touchdown. He, the man wants the ball with the carries. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Well, all righty. Uh, John, Rufus, any final thoughts at all as we head into uh, Kansas State? No, I don't really have any. Just don't bite the poison apple. Poison apple, rat poison. Rat poison. Yes. Nah, to give me that apple with that worm in it. You better watch <laughs> yourself, OU. Don't bite the apple like that. Stay focused. Really quick, okay, Rufus, I've got to know. Like, you're a former player, and you're obviously you know, like a fan mm-hmm. of the school that you played for. How do you balance that? Because like, I'm just a fan, so mm-hmm. sometimes I'll have crazy, irrational, stupid thoughts that come from just pure passionate emotion. How does that like kind of counter with? I actually know what's going on. I actually know like this situation, so my passionate side doesn't really mesh with like pragmatically what's going on. If if that makes sense. How do I decide? How do I like? How do you how do you balance being like a former player and a fan? I've always wondered. Um, man, balance it. I mean, I really don't. I mean, if if anybody asks me if OU is gonna win, I always believe that they're gonna win. So I can, I can be kind of bamboozled into anything of if OU is gonna be playing in a national championship. I can try to figure my way out to make me believe they're gonna win or whatever. But, um. At the end of the day, uh, at, at the heart of it, I'm a realist about it. I mean, I'll tell you if it's bad defense that's being played or anything like that. And, I mean, call a spade a spade. I mean, you can love your team but still call it what it is. Um, you can love the players that play on the team, but if a guy always misses a tackle, you can call him what he is, a guy that just don't like to tackle or he can't tackle. And same thing for a guy that can't cover. I mean, um, a lot of guys these days, um, they, they have – that really thin skin whenever you, you talk about something or criticize somebody about something. I've been criticized about the way I played. And you like, I told you the story what coach Venables told me when I played soft. So my, thin, my, my skin was never thin. Uh, my high school coach was always very demanding on me. So again, I was very demanding on myself. So I cheer on my team the same way, very demanding. I'm also a realist about it. I mean, if they make a mistake or something bad happens, I understand it. You just diagnose why they did it. But I don't harp on it. There's a lot of people that I watch the game with. They are so critical. You would have thought that they are Hall of Fame NFL <laughs> football players that are Hall of Fame defensive linemen or offensive linemen because a guy holds or something bad happens. You can say, man, that sucks. You just got to move on after that play. But being a person that gets to analyze OU football – um, now it's my job to kind of talk about where they can get better or anything, something like that. But being overly critical to where it's to the detriment of somebody, I'm de- I mean, I'm not at that point. I don't I mean, I don't get to that point. Um, even when I saw Kenneth Murray struggle in games and stuff, the times I got to sit back and talk to him like, hey, man, you just 
got to focus in. This is what you're doing. You're stepping bad this way. I wouldn't talk down on the kid. And I hope the kid wins a – the young man wins a buckets. I mean, I never got to win a buckets, and that's the cool thing about it. You know, sometimes some former players are jealous of young guys that are doing great things and doing great things at their positions and stuff. I've been fortunate to be around Teddy and those guys, and Teddy's rooting him on for his, to be the fifth person to do it. Um, man, you just got to love um, – I just have a love for the game, but I also have a love for OU and the players that are playing at the next group of guys that come in and wear the jersey. I'll have the same love for them whenever they step on the field and start to play and contribute to the team as well. Until they go into that transfer portal. I mean, <laughs> and, I, and the thing about it is they go into the transfer portal. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate on the kid. Ron Tatum left. I thought it was a bad move on his part. I think the kid could have been really good here, but you also have to buy in and want to play. Yeah. And if a kid feels that he's not going to make it here, hey, get in the portal, leave. I wish you the best. Even when kids that – that's why I don't do recruiting stuff. I can't do high school recruiting because the integrity of young kids these days are not there. Whenever I decided I was coming to Oklahoma, I committed, and I didn't go see another school. My last school to think to go and visit was Miami, and I canceled my visit because I knew where I was going. And I called all the other coaches I – that that would that I talked to and went on a recruiting trip with, called them all and told them my intentions. And I called Coach Venables first and asked him not to say anything. I called everybody else, and that's how I did it. But kids, young men don't do that these days. They they'll take they'll take they'll take their free trip to Miami. They'll take their free trip to Miami, or they even they're entertain somebody else whenever their heart's not set in going somewhere else. You gotta whenever your heart tells you to do something, you do it. And some of those guys, well, man, Alabama said this. Or they're going to do this, so I'm going to go there. If I mean, sometimes when you're young and the next big thing that comes down and tells you, hey, come play over here, it's just a – sometimes you got to say no if you fall, if you love the person that recruited you and all that stuff. So that's kind of how it went here. I didn't commit to Texas because just it felt – it didn't feel right at well, that moment Well, they suck, too. They Mm, not I mean, then. not at that time they didn't suck, but whenever I, I didn't commit to him because something just didn't feel right. The way Mac Brown told me things in the room about Texas and all that stuff just wasn't. He didn't recruit you to safety too, did he? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, but he just the way he recruited me and the things that he said whenever he was recruiting me just wasn't, you know, this didn't jive with me. Something the, didn't click. Yeah, something yeah. didn't click. I mean, Coach Venables told me in a room, son, I'm going to recruit to replace you every year. And that resonated with me because he said, if you want to come play and compete with the best people, and I was like, well, hell yeah, who's going to say no? We won two Buckets Award winners. What, do you want to win the Buckets Award? Well, hell yeah, I want to win the Buckets Award. Well, if you come here, I'm going to recruit to replace you. Like, wait a minute. And then he's like, if you're scared of competition, this is not the place for you. And it's like, that's, hey, that's pretty much all right. I feel that. I understand that. That's a hell of a recruiting pitch. And I was like, well, damn. Because you want, you're, you're telling the guy – I'm bringing you here to replace the guys that are starting now. Yeah. Essentially. And mm-hmm. then those two guys, the guys that Rocky Camels won a buckets, Teddy Lehman won a buckets, Lance Mitchell's coming in from California that was supposed to be this mm-hmm. stud linebacker. He's he gonna was, he was doing so win. he was doing so well toward, yeah, towards Yeah, towards ACL. ACL can win the buckets. I mean, you want to come and compete with that? You think you can you have what it takes to compete with that? I'm lying. I'm you feel like, "Hell yeah, I have what it takes to compete with that." And that's why I want to come here. John, did Mac Brown recruit you as a safety? <laughs> he recruited me as a left tackle. Oh, okay. That was a Love Mac. 190-pound <laughs> tight end. Sorry. I like Sorry, Mac. Mac. Mac told me that kind of weight. Mac told me I was going to start as a true freshman, and I told I called bull <laughs> on that one, and I said, I ain't coming there. Man, lied to me. <laughs> he lied to me. That's why I didn't go to Texas. I'm telling you guys right now, you heard it first. Mac Brown lied his ass off. Inside told OU, gonna, inside gonna, Texas. I was going to start as a true freshman. And who was there? What was the kid? What was the guy? Derek Johnson. Derek, Derek Johnson. Oh, Derek Johnson was a starting uh, wheel linebacker. Never beat OU. Yeah, Derek Johnson was starting wheel linebacker. He going to tell me I'm going to come in there and start with that guy? I mean, he played for like 25 years in the NFL. Oh, but <laughs> Mac Brown was over there selling wolf tickets in that damn room. <laughs> <laughs> Well, right, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, we need to end on that one. Uh, John, Rufus, as always, thank you so much, guys. Uh, everybody, thank you for watching on John's YouTube page. Uh, so, yeah, subscribe on John E. Hoover's, J. Edgar Hoover's uh, YouTube page. Because your on, real name on is. On YouTube, it? it's just John Hoover. Yeah. No E. Does anyone ever call you J. Edgar Hoover? Hoover? My mom was the only one who did. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's. 
I changed it in kindergarten. Don't do kids, it. <laughs> kids couldn't pronounce it because ch- I, so I changed it in kindergarten. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Everybody. I said, just call me John. <laughs> so it goes for you two out there. Just call me John. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast and the Franchise Podcast Network. And until uh, Friday, put out a pregame show for you guys as always. Until then, for Mr. Rufus Alexander and John Hoover, this is Brady Trantham. Y'all have a good rest of your day. Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. Catch all of John Hoover's work at thefranchiseok.com. Follow him on Twitter at John E. Hoover. And be sure to catch all of his radio call-ins throughout the week on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. The Sam Mays Podcast. All in. Inside OU. OKC82. And intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.